on the Algerian Jewish question and settler colonial studies. Uh, so my question is, where does uh, Algeria fit in the field of settler colonial studies? And also, consequently, in our understanding of the indigenous community of Algerian Jews, which after France's 1830 conquest came under a variety of legal regimes in French Algeria, which some has set out so well. Um, as a minority component of the 19th century native population of Algeria, Algerian Jews represented a rare instance of mass naturalizations of a colonized population enacted into law by a European imperial power through the 1870 Crimean Decree. Striking contrasts are afforded by a secular republic in France engaging with Jews of Algeria while at the same time remaining antagonistic to Islam embodied in its Algerian Muslim subjects who remained almost always the native. And like my other two Algerian scholars here, we're using, we're locked into colonial uh, terminology for the moment. An historically specific configuration emerged consisting of the French and secular Republican metropole, number one, France's North African empire of Algerian provinces inhabited by European settlers, the Algerian Muslim native subject, and my topic, the twice enfranchised Algerian Jewish citizen enfranchised in 1870, again in 1943, and once disenfranchised Algerian Jewish native subject of 1940. In French Algeria, the native Jew became French citizen in 1870, briefly returned to native status in 1940 under Vichy, eventually reverted <coughs> to French citizen in 1943, albeit in Albert Memmi's terms, I was a colonizer and colonized at the same time, and eventually reconfigured as a pied-noir or a settler returnee repatriated to a country, France, that never was their home. And this was for the 90% of Algerian Jews who headed to France, but not to Israel. To understand this, traje this trajectory, one in which all parties in the colony agreed that Algerian Jews uh, were indigenous to Algeria, this agreement and recognition uh, was uh, abruptly stopped on July 5th, 1962, when Algeria uh, became independent. The question that propels my essay is counterfactual. During the 132 years of French colonization, 1830 to 1960, based on the 1870 enfranchisement of the Algerian Jewish native, if France had extended to all its Algerian native subjects, not just the Algerian Jew, had extended citizenship, would such an action make those Muslim natives free? To begin to uh, answers to such a hypothetical and cruelly untrue historical conjecture, um, uh, I focus on critical terms deployed in French, not English, about Algeria, because they appear to confound the certainties of Anglophone researchers faced with scores of linguistic false friends, or faux amis if you've ever studied French. A durable categorical misalignment occurs 
and the French translation for settler colonies resurrects colonies de peuplement, literally colonies of settlement. A venerable 19th century phrase that emerged to distinguish between colonies of exploitation as, a as opposed to colonies of settlement. The peopling or the peuplement part of the phrase actually carried two opposed meanings. To refer not only to the obvious condition of settlers coming to settle, but also to designate whether the target territory for settlement <coughs> was peuplement in the sense of already peopled by a native population and not uninhabited lands capable of exploitation. Peuplement meant not just empires actively populating occasioned by European settlers from elsewhere. The word acknowledged the existence of densely populated people territories that dynamically uh, shape configurations of settler native uh, relations and insight, of course, I owe to Patrick Wolfe. To understand comparatively the case of Algeria, an impressive array of thinkers have grappled with varieties of colonial contact as an object of knowledge. When I'm feeling lazy, I like anthropologist Udo Krautwert's solution. In his own words, he concludes boldly and in italics, all colonialism is settler colonialism. So, setting him aside, Patrick Wolf writes, the question of genocide is never far from these discussions of settler colonialism, land is life, land is necessary for life. So here Wolf <coughs> returns to his fundamental articulation of settler colonial domination that is not with the colonized, but directly with the land. And in this way, by judging the state of settler colonialism through outcomes and strategies, genocide, which in turn helps to distinguish a colony from a settler colony, Wolf describes French Algeria as this wonderful term, a so-called settler colony. <laughs> so Wolf evoking D.K. Fieldhouse, it was a mixed colony, a so-called colony. Uh, productive analyses of settler colonies reside ideally in the mode of pure settlement colony, for example, the Israeli kibbutz, in which the salient features the rejection of native labor, therefore rendering the native superfluous. So to, to, to characterize French Algeria requires some kind of, perhaps, refinements. So despite Algeria's perennial unstable status as a settler colony, uh, for Gershon Shafir, French Algeria most resembles what he called the ethnic plantation of early Zionist settlement, which relied on land and cheap labor for the Palestinian native and follows chronologically the pure settlement colony. Or maybe it precedes, actually. <laughs> it precedes, sorry. <laughs> In contrast, uh, there's historian David Prochaska. He weighs in by categorizing French Algeria. He says, write out settler colony based on the creation of a settler society whose demographics, class, and race taxonomies place the native at the bottom and in the minority in spaces where the settler nexus mattered most, which were the economic powerhouses of the city. If the rural agricultural kibbutz is the preeminent ethnic plantation for Palestine, then Prochaska's fo focus on the Algerian urban enclave takes us to where the native was largely absent. 
surrounded and cordoned off in ghettos, in the Casbah or the Ville Negre, was the term, literally Negro towns, these spaces allocated to the native in the cities highlight intersections of colonial authority, <coughs> deliberate underdevelopment of racialized native quarters, and economic development of vibrant European new set of cities inhabited by uh, settlers rendering compartmentalized cities, these are Fanon's words, which were built upon constricting pre-existing pre-colonial urban formations of the Medina and the Melah, the walled city, and the Jewish minority quarters, respectively. However we come to define the formation of French Algeria, in which the presence or absence of native labor is one determinant, it is the case that on-the-ground realities in the colony are unthinkable without exploitable native labor. So, meaning the fault lines among settlers, colonizers, natives become more porous, more difficult to maintain. So I return to my previous hypothetical counterfactual question posed at the beginning. During the 132 years of French colonization, if France had granted citizenship to Muslim Algerians, would such an action make the natives free? What would freedom really mean for the native of French Algeria? In the post-World War II period, when political pressures for citizenship and rights for the native Muslim, Muslim reached its height, advocates such as Albert Camus, Germain Tillon, they proposed their preferred solution, which was to turn the Muslim native into French citizen through assimilation. On the other and binary side of the, front of the divide, political divide regarding the place of the colonized people were, of course, France Fanon and Pierre Bourdieu, each in their own words, maintaining that colonialism in regards to the native population was never reformable. So my counterfactual historical query about what freedom would really mean for the native of Algeria, as it happens, is relevant, even though French citizenship was not bestowed on the majority of Muslim Algerian population of 9 million until the very last years of the War of Independence. The question of what freedom means to the native did apply powerfully to Algerian Jews, designated indigène of a different religion, categorized in French colonial terminology throughout the Maghreb as natives of the Israelite and Mosaic faith, which seems to be confessional descriptors, descriptors, but of course, as Miriam has pointed out, we are dealing with racial and eventually nationalist valences that were ascribed to the Muslim. Scholars have come to view the Crémieux decree as intentionally emancipating and enfranchising Algerian Jews precisely in order to exclude Muslims because native Jews, unlike native Muslims, were considered to be redeemable, civilizable, passants, recyclable in French terms. So the Crémieux de decree was uniquely successful when viewed as an example of European power making claims to afford comprehensive protection for the entirety of the Algerian Jewish community while holding out the tantalizing promise 
of an extension of French citizenship to all natives inhabiting a French overseas colony, which of course it did not do in Algeria, except too late. In, con <coughs> in contrast to Algerian Muslims, Muslims, the benefits of citizenship were uniquely applied to Algerian Jews that seemed to subdivide, be subdivided by religion, but resonated with racial distinctions. But what made it so politically potent that, coincidentally or not, it was passed at the same time that the three Algerian departments, namely Algiers, Iran, and Constantine, became the integral part of metropolitan France, garnering, garnering French citizenship, the way to vote in French elections, representation in France's governing bodies, all bestowed eventually a few years later uh, on the European settler population, regardless of their origin throughout the Mediterranean. Jews were made integral to France's civilization mission in Algeria, underpinned by metropolitan French Jews' efforts to assure uplift to their co-religionists by an attachment to France. Scholars note that at least for France, Jews did not become less Jewish as they became more French once Jews were actually granted citizenship as early as 1791. Extending this insight to Algeria, I conclude that Jews did not become less Jewish as they became more French, but instead they became less or entirely non-Arabic and Berber speaking and hence less Algerian native. This setup was tested during World War II in a rare case study of native enfranchisement in the colony in which Algerian Jews were forcibly albeit temporarily, reverted to the previous century before French citizenship was granted them. Vichy-era fascism expanded from France to North African colonies against those classed as indigènes or natives, a term perennially, perennially applied to the Algerian Muslim and under Vichy laws between 1940 and 43, <coughs> to the Al Algerian Jew with anti-Jewish laws enacted in France, extended to Algeria by 1940, undermining the legal foundations by abrogating the 1870 Crimea Decree. So what had been a long-standing legal application to the indigenous Muslim colonial subject was applied to Algerian Jews, but with more constraints. According to settler logic, Returning the Jew to the Muslim category of native served to stabilize and strengthen those who inhabit that very category of native by claiming to render both equal in the sense that they were equally without rights of citizenship, but always holding out a controlled naturalized process to Muslim natives to become French. French settler anti-Jewish anti-Semitism had traditionally opposed granting Algerian Jews French citizenship because if any native group, such as the Jews, is emancipated, others, such as Arabs and Berbers, could be emancipated and enfranchised too. Once this decree was abolished, abolished Jews returned to the native category, 
these two groups' identity resulted in the prospect of undifferentiated decolonization, which was actually yet another paradoxical anti-Semitic settler fear. The, set, the Caribbean decree had made a settler society by adding native Jews to the category, while its abolition remained a, a colonial society by unmaking the people and diminishing the colony of Pupinon and inside Cairo to Lorenzo. This abolition of the Crimean decree uh, also not quite reversed the settler project of Algeria back to a colonial one. And this again follows Lorenzo's. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to leave out, well, I might manage. Wartime intensified. I'm leaving out the ethnography which will be published, I hope, uh, thanks to Omar Bloom's edited volume uh, that's coming out on the Holocaust in North Africa, which includes ethnographies and little interviews with Algerian Jewish internees in Vichy camps. So wartime intensified the Muslim-Jewish relation already mediated through France. So Algerian Jews could no longer request French citizenship even in ways that were made contingently possible to Algerian Muslims since 1919, meaning you serve in the French armed forces. So 14,000 Algerian Jews, 92,000 European settlers, and um, 125,000 Algerian Muslims, conscripted subjects, fought during World War I. A second time, the colony answered the call to arms to defend France during the so-called phony war of 1930-1940. So soldiering in the French military formed a counterweight to racist stereotypes in the metropolitan imagination, whether you're talking about the cowardly cunning Jew and the or the passive untrustworthy um, Arab. So for both, there was a symbolically temporary fraternity, if not equality. And they were reviewed positively, reinforcing earlier conquest area stereotypes of the ferocious Muslim Algerian warrior opponent and aligning, aligning, aligning the stereotypes of their obligatory service as conscripted subjects since 1912. And only during war, familiar in the American context, did the empire subject raise the idea of citizenship only for decorated war heroes. Equal pensions, of course, none of this uh, materialized. So there goes the ethnography. I will conclude with some thoughts about Algeria as less central to settler colonial theory. And uh, Patrick was really enthusiastic when he met with Sung and I for us to do this. So. We're going by the truth of this enthusiasm. <laughs> and there's also by virtue of decolonization, which makes it worth considering, considering, certainly because of Patrick Wolf's definition of settler colonialism as unfinished and ongoing. Algeria seems to offer closure for settler colonial studies because it appears self-contained. Brack, neatly bracketed history of colonization, settler colonies, and decolonization. And this seems to be even more so because it was marked by the dramatic exodus 
of almost the entire settler population, European settler population, who moved across the Mediterranean, reversing the routes that brought them to North Africa. So too did the native Algerian Jews lumped together as repatriated in legal terminology. While Algerian, Algeria after independence need not be bound by constraints, such as the arbitrary, arbitrary closure imposed about decolonization being equal to independence. I'm going to end with the Patrick quote and my argument to consider the ways in which the case of Algerian Jews post-1962 escapes formal endings. So we know 90% settled permanently in France, a minority became part of the waves of North African immigration to Israel. Jews from North Afri Africa were reconstructed and slotted into the Zionist story, both to dispossess the native Palestinians and to be subsumed under the new Israeli category of Mizrahi or Oriental Jews. So I'm going to end with a quote of, from Patrick Wolfe's uh, traces of history, and it's one of his wonderful, wide-ranging comparisons in which he discusses uh, Mizrahi as, you know, it's a category in which Algerian Jews to Israel were lumped and hence twice stripped of their historical Arab and Berber traces. So, ending with Patrick, Mizrahi were a settler colonial labor force that is racialized in contradistinction to their Ashkenazi superiors. Mizrahim are more like American slaves than Australian convicts. Their subordination being phenotypically encoded across generations. On the other hand, like Australian convicts, they share the settlers' common denominator vis-a-vis -vis the natives. Only in their case, it is religious rather than phenotypical. <laughs>